been changing lately and I can't tell If it's me or if it's everybody else But I'm done wasting my time on the woe is me bullshit That's keeping me from being myself So look around and tell me what you want me to see Maybe you're the person that you always wanted to be Why you wanna be a sad boy, waste your time Looking for something that was right here all along Just I need to go. You're listening to the PCAST presented by CDE Lightband. Each week, we take you around Austin to be the athletics department, and occasionally, the OVC thanks to our good friends at CDE. Thank you to our friends at CDE, and thanks to you, the listeners. I'm Colby Wilson. He is Casey Krieger. Welcome to the nation's top ranked Austin podcast, staring into the mirror in horror and revulsion at what the holidays did to us. Casey, how are you now? Good, and you? Not so bad. We begin. Well, we start now. With a Murray win at home. The happiest ah. of holiday presents. Ah, it's the only thing you wanted for Christmas. Maybe not the only thing, but it was, it was, a, it was a top five item. I'll definitely give it that. It was uh, beating the racers right here in the Dunn Center. Beating the racers right here in the Dunn Center. Avenging an earlier loss to those dastardly donkeys from north of the border. Terry Taylor, um, you know, as, as is tradition, as is custom, um, basically... Uh, is the best basketball player on most people in the world have ever seen or heard of, honestly. I mean, it's it's not even it's not even particularly close at this point. Uh, and and I've I've watched some basketball, like you know, up to up to four games, and he's just it. I think the most amazing thing is when he somehow, some way, doesn't come up with the next great moment and you you're left disappointed and a little surprised like oh wow he you mean he didn't just throw us on his back and score 15 in five minutes to lead us to victory what hmm what if he's feeling okay because he's that good he's that stinking good 30 points 13 rebounds against murray state just all in a day's work is that good it's decent it it'll it'll get you there. Pretty good. Pretty, Pretty good. good. And that led into into a lot of, you know, somewhat happy holiday. It's always good to win the one right before Christmas. The the one right before and the one right after for for the men and the women. That's right. Uh the the govs also with the sort of sweep at TSU where we played on Thursday and got the win and the the women wandered down and played on Monday. Yep. Got the win. Uh, both pretty held convincing. Tennessee, the women held Tennessee State under 40 points. Decent. It's only the fourth time since 1976 that a Austin P. Wins basketball team's done that. First time since like 2002. You know, good teams do that. Yeah. No. Defense. Defense, from what I understand, it does some championship winning. Some would call what Monday night a defensive clinic. I would call it kind of – I watched some of that game. Yes, I would call it a very good – It was a very good defensive performance. It was a very good defensive State performance. missed a lot of shots. They, they had eight sure players. Did. They aren't great. Um, however, I'm going to bill it as the greatest defensive game of all time. Okay, fine with me. Um, we, we actually played a game together. Well, not together. Uh, the men played – Right after the women played in, like, you know, a traditional doubleheader? Yeah, yeah, double, d- doubleheader-like. Yeah. Against Eastern Kentucky. And it's EKU on Saturday. The women win. 
They won three and zero in OVC play. Pretty good. First time they've done that since 2016. The men, um, EKU is very good. Yeah, no, A.W. Hamilton, really good coach. They got they pressure the ball 94 feet for 40 minutes. They get turnovers. They get stops. They get transition points. Usually, they didn't really do that stuff against us. And also, usually, they can't shoot threes to save their life, and they hit, like, 71 of them. They turned into the Golden State Warriors. Yeah, I mean, that Wendell Green Jr. had hit six threes on the season at a robust 15% and hit five of five in the first half. Did he, like, Space Jam's Clay Thompson's powers away? I mean, Clay Thompson's not doing anything with him right now, so you couldn't blame him if he did. Well... If Clay Thompson cut, goes to 15% next time he plays a basketball game, we know why. Yeah. So, as as disappointing as that was, and, you know, it was kind of disappointing. At the same time, I do not envision many worlds where EKU hits 50 from the f- – or, no, gosh, I think it's 55 from the floor, 50 from three, and 70 at the line many times this year. And also, we were in that game until the last possession, too. Yeah, Terry had a – Three-point look. and Yeah, Terry had a look from three, and it just, I mean, it hit, it was close. I'm not sure who our best three-point shooter is, but I think I want Terry to take that shot no matter what. Yeah, I in that moment, I'm worried less about who's the best three-point shooter than who's the player most likely to rise to the occasion. And, I mean, I'm not even going to say apologies to anyone else. I, I would want Terry taking that shot if it was a team of the actual All-OVC team or a team of All-Americans, or, you know, depending on the NBA team. like We're looking at you, Luke Garza. Yeah. I mean, depending on the NBA team, like if Terry wound up on the Knicks, I don't even take that shot too, probably. We're looking at you. Uh, Kevin Knox. Kevin Knox and uh, <laughs> R.J. Barrett, Barrett and uh, Emmanuel Quickly. Frank Frank Nilakina, who cannot shoot at uh, all. No. Who else is on that team? They actually have a really weird and sort of – goofily fun like they're doing everything around julius randall right now in sort of this weird point forward thing welcome like back. welcome back to 2000 2014 like like he's like he's knockoff Jokic. Uh, dime, dime store uh, dime store nicole Jokic. fat dime store fat Jokic. dime store nicole is Jokic. still fat or do you lose some weight i mean he's a chonky boy but he's, <laughs> he's not skinny Jokic. no 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 he's not come back from the come back for the bubble down the toddler um did did you make any uh, New Year's resolutions this Not year? Not a one. Did you did you think maybe you should have? No. Why is that? It's not going to happen. So pretty happy with how I am. Really? Yeah. Huh? Yeah. yeah, I guess that makes one of us. Um, we will end this delightful first segment with a story of uplift and hope. Hopefully, Josepha Smith, as some of you know. Hopefully, all of you know, regular listeners slash readers of Let's Go um, His daughter was born in May. His second daughter, Madison, born in May with, and I'm going to butcher this, but I'm going to try, congenital diaphragmatic hernia, CDH, a rare abnormality uh, that happens about 1 in 2,500 babies and for which the survival rate is right around 50%. Uh, she is doing fine. Uh, they were... They've done a lot of, of research and a lot of – they've experienced some trials and tribulations during the course of young Madison's life. But uh, 
she's doing well, and Joe was right before or right after Christmas, right before Christmas, named to the 2020 Uplifting Athletes Rare Disease Champion Team. Uh, uplifting athletes celebrate leaders in college football that have made positive and lasting impact on the rare disease community. Uh, we got pretty familiar with this group a few years ago uh, when Joshua Ergel, then assistant coach at Austin Peay State University, um, was the rare disease champion. The Ergels, uh, they've, they've uh, been instrumental in leading some research their middle child, Landry, diagnosed with the mutation of the CSNK2B gene. Uh, it just it, the, the work that the rare disease folks do is important, and it's inspiring. And at Ospe, we've been pretty fortunate the last few years to come in contact with them and really be, you know, not, not a part of the solution, but certainly... It helps spread their message wider than it would have been otherwise. And we thank them for the opportunity, and we congratulate Joe on his spot on the Rare Disease Champion team. Since that's more earnest than we usually do here, at this time we'll wrap it up and bring in Sam Schmitz of the Austin P. Sport Florence Program. Got right a three-day beard I don't plan to shave, and it's a goofy thing, but I just got to say, hey, I'm a doing all right. Yeah, I think I'll make me some homemade soup Feeling pretty good and that's the truth It's neither drink nor drug induced No, I'm just doing alright And it's a great day to be alive I know the sun's still shining when I close my eyes There's some hard times we're on a run of sports performance talk over the last few episodes. So today we continue the theme with Sam Schmidt. Sam works with the tennis and football teams, providing them with the physical and mental tools to compete at the highest levels. And we'll get to that. But first, let's get to know a little bit more about Sam. Uh, Sam, how are you today? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. So, Sam, where are you from? Um, I'm actually from a small town uh, in Iowa called Missouri Valley, um, right on the Missouri River. So that's why it kind of gets its name. Um, small town kid, town was about 2,500 people, graduated with 60, um, so everyone knew everyone, um, but yeah, uh, spent my whole life there uh, growing up, so. And how did you wind up here with us? So I, um, from high school, I went to a small school in Iowa, in Pella, Iowa, it's about 30 miles east of Des Moines. Um, played football there. From there, I went to University of Northern Iowa, uh, where I got my master's in kinesiology. Um, and kind of going off of that, I went to the University of Iowa just for a year-long internship. Uh, and then about last year, about this time, so about a year ago, um, looking for, I was in the job hunt, um, applying everywhere. Uh, then I got a call from Coach Campbell, um, said there was an opening down here asked me if I'd be interested in, in kind of looking into things. I decided it'd be the right move career-wise. Uh, so it was actually my first time like moving out of the state of Iowa. Um, definitely was a transition uh, a little different here than it is in the Midwest. Um, so it was a big move for me, uh, but so far I've enjoyed my time. Obviously, uh, it's been a little different in 2020 with uh, COVID and everything. So I actually spent more time at home uh, this past year than I originally thought I would moving down here. Um, but yeah, I've enjoyed my time here so far and kind of looking forward to see what this next 
year brings here. So you played football at center, correct? Correct. Yeah. At central. Uh, what does that give you, uh, any extra weight or any extra kind of perspective in your work with our football team? Um, I think mainly, um, aside from like the training, cause I can kind of understand some of the things that they're going through. Uh, but the big thing is just a holistic view of the athlete itself. I know, I think coach Disney might've touched on this in his episode with you, uh, stress anywhere, stress everywhere. Uh, so I kind of understand that athletes aren't just going through the, uh, practices and the lifts and the team meetings and film and all that stuff. They're still, they're going through their classes, um, having to get good grades. Some of them might have relationship problems, problems with their family. There's so many things that go on in athletes' life that people probably don't see. Um, so me kind of being an athlete, kind of know and understand that you kind of have as now as a coach, I can take a holistic view at my athletes and kind of understand the stressors that they're going through in their everyday life. Uh, then again, like with the programming, you know, I've been through the off season, I've been through a season. Uh, I was a player that didn't play a ton uh, in my time. So those kind of athletes that are struggling with playing time, I can pull them aside, talk to them, kind of help them find their role in the team as well. Um, so yeah, it definitely, it definitely benefits me when it comes to coaching the football team and then also tennis. I mean, college athletes are college athletes. They all kind of go through different stressors. So the science behind what you do, I understand that that is a source of fascination for you. And I think right. that people might run away a little bit sometimes with the idea of, oh, the strength coach is just a meathead. And there's just so much more to it than that if you're going to be successful in this day and age. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so uh, Coach Disney actually pegged me as a science guy uh, in the office. And it's something I'm kind of running with now. Uh, I've always been really interested in the science behind why and how we do things. Like for me, if I'm going to have an athlete do a certain movement, I want to understand why I'm having them doing it. Um, and that all kind of started uh, this past year, obvious, uh, actually. Um, Coach Campbell actually during football camp asked me if there's a certain way we can track, you know, the load we're putting on the athletes and practicing in the lift without having the technologies that bigger schools have with like GPS systems and stuff. And luckily, I had just got in contact with Scott Kuhn is his name. He is. Uh, an assistant coach at Arizona right now. And he put up a, a webinar on the strength coach network um, about building a database, building questionnaires to kind of monitor load. So we actually introduced that this past uh, fall in our three, four games. Um, and that's kind of where I kind of got the interest in monitoring overall load uh, because sometimes coaches don't really know what they're putting their athletes through. Um, even if they say, hey, we're gonna do a 10 minute indie period uh, and they might plan that it's going to be easy and not very taxing, but after you actually talk to the athletes and get feedback from them, it actually kind of shows um, that might have been more taxing than they planned. Um, so with technology and tracking stuff, um, it gives a good line of communication between the coaches uh, and the strength coaches. If you can kind of coincide your lifts and your practices together, um, it's going to be beneficial for everyone. And with the science behind it, if I'm a strength coach and take, can take this to a coach and say, hey, during this day, we ran this much when we could be running this much and make it simplistic for them, uh, it's going to get more buy-in from them as well. Um, and then with like the training and stuff, it's just something I've always liked toying around with. Um, it's definitely a different perspective in our way, our, in our staff. Um, like sometimes I'll look over at, you know, Justin Lowe squatting 600 pounds and then I'm the nerd over there with the Tendo unit, seeing how fast I can move like a 
like a bench press or something like that. Um, so it's all, it's, it's all good and fun. Um, it gives him a different perspective and me a different perspective. Like they said, they kind of give me a hard time with it, but again, we all have good conversations about it at the end of the day, which is also very beneficial. So all those different perspectives, I mean, that's the key to making a good sports performance department, isn't it? Absolutely. Um, and we have a wide range of everything um, in our office. Like I said, Ju like Justin's, um, me and him give each other a hard time, but he's definitely the strongest in, in our office. So he's got a good insight on that kind of stuff. Uh, Matt Costinson, he knows the Olympic side very well, can teach Olympic lifts very well. Um, John Baker's a big powerlifting guy, so he can kind of put that in. Sam Bartlett played uh, Division three football like me, so me and him kind of have a perspective from there. Then Coach Disney, he's had a lot of experience in a lot of different places. Um, and then you got Coach Campbell overseeing everything. So just all of us having conversations, um, even though some of us believe in completely different things, uh, which there's nothing wrong with that at all. At the end of the day, we're able to have different conversations, which is good. Um, if you have your whole staff just all coming from the same coaching tree or all believing in the same thing or have the same ideas, you're not going to get very far. Um, so just having different perspectives and just having conversations with each other uh, helps our program develop and go a long way. Tell me about your time at Iowa, because I know that Iowa's been uh, historically a, a program or a strength program that's kind of been on the forefront of a lot of things. Right. Um, so I actually started there um, 2019, um, January 2019. So I showed up a week after um they beat Cody Sheck Snyder and the Mississippi State Bulldogs in the Outback Bowl. I just had to throw that in there. So shout out to Shecks there. Um, but yeah, it was actually a dream come true. Um, I grew up a Hawk fan. Um, and that that's how, kind of how I wanted to get in strength and conditioning because back then you there's very few programs you heard about strength and conditioning because it wasn't really on the forefront yet. And I was always one of them. Um, it was a, it was a, it was a grind. That's for sure. Um, I know coach Disney says he doesn't like that word, but it was a lot of work. A lot of hours were put in, but big thing I learned there was just like the organ organizational leadership was second to none. Um, everything was run to a T. I knew what to expect every day. Uh, a standard was set and a standard was met um, the programming was good. Um, but it wasn't anything completely groundbreaking. Uh, with programming, uh, the biggest thing is if you can get your athletes to buy in, you're going to see results. Um, I think sometimes coaches try to overcomplicate programming or sometimes make it too simple. But if you can just get your athletes to buy in, you're going to get results. And that's kind of what that's kind of what I learned there. Um, yeah, like I said, dream come true. Um, still have very a lot of connections over there. Um, one of my best friends actually still works there. So we talk talk on the regular. Um, but yeah, I, if it weren't for that internship, I probably want to be the strength coach I am today. That was kind of the moment where I'm like, all right, I'm hundred percent in the right profession. The, since you mentioned Disney, uh, he wanted me to ask about the bilateral versus unilateral, uh, conundrum. Uh, yeah. if you could expound on that, because I had no idea what he was talking about. Uh, so strength. And especially on Twitter, strength coaches have there's two or three arguments that if someone puts something up on Twitter, an argument is going to be started. Um, Olympic lifts versus non-Olympic lifts, um, bilateral versus unilateral. Now a big one on there is 
should strength coaches be the get back guys on the sidelines, which is just a whole nother rabbit hole. I won't go down right now. Uh, so bilateral uh, versus unilateral, it's a heated topic. If you had asked me three, four years ago, um, I would have said bilateral because I played football. I squatted all the time. I had both feet on the floor when I lifted. Um, but after like doing my own research and actually experimenting on myself, I pray, and this isn't a popular opinion in the office, so they might shun me for this, but I personally enjoy unilateral more. Um, but I just, I think there's a time and place for everything. Like I mentioned, if you can justify why you're doing it, if you can justify the means, um, then you can get your buy-in from your athletes. But me personally, especially for strength work, um, I like unilateral stuff. When it comes to developing like force development and power development, I might go on the more bilateral side because you can produce more force with both feet on the ground. Um, but yeah, it's ever changing. You know, five years from now, I might completely change my mind again and um, go back to bilateral. But after researching and doing stuff on myself, I personally, if gun to my head, I'm taking unilateral over bilateral. As sport performance guys, are you kind of, do you use yourself as a test kitchen a lot? Like to have an idea and just be like, well, I'm going to implement it on myself first to see what happens. Well, I think a lot of coaches sometimes uh, make programs and don't really try them for yourself. We do a very good job here of trying for ourselves, especially with like punishments and stuff. I um, mean, like we're going to go knock it out and try to see if it's kind of a good thing to do. It's going to be hard enough. Um, but yeah, you're your best experiment. Uh, when I was at Iowa, I obviously wasn't working with a lot. Of, I wasn't working and programming for teams. Um, so I would read a research article or watch a video. I'm like, hey, I want to go try this. I would, whether it's like a cycle that I want to take myself through or movement I want to take myself through. Um, and that's what I would do. Now I'm working with tennis, which allows me to experiment some things. And they've been great on taking on new things and trying new things. And um, not everything always works. Um, but as a coach, it's very difficult for me to read something and not um, try it out for myself before I'm going to trust my athletes to do it. Um, it's just kind of how I've always done things. Like I said, some coaches might see another team doing it, thinks it, look, thinks it looks cool and just throw it in there. Uh, me, I like to experience stuff for myself. And that's how I like going back to the bilateral and unilateral talk. That's how I became a unilateral fan because I was trying it for myself. I enjoyed it more. And then once I programmed it, um, it made it even better. So, yeah, as long as you can experiment on yourself, it's definitely going to help you program for your teams. How does your role continue to change from even just from when you first got into it to now? Like it's, it's always constantly evolving. Yeah. The role of the strength coach, strength coach, excuse me. Uh, even like back in the nineties, it just, uh, the stereotype was, Hey, get my athletes bigger and stronger. Um, and now, like I kind of mentioned before, you need to take a more holistic approach when looking at not only the athlete, but the sport. Um, so back then, there wasn't really much talk about making them better at their sp particular sport. And now you have to look at um, a term a lot of coaches use is reverse engineering the sport. So meaning you look so like for football, for example, I would start at the game, look at the demands of the game, what they do in practice to prepare for those demands, then what I can do in the weight room to prepare for the demands of the practice in the game. So you kind of start from the game and work backwards all the way to the lift. Um, and that can be anything from how much high-speed yardage an athlete's getting, how many cuts are they making. Uh, like for tennis, I made, uh, they call it a needs analysis of a singles and a doubles match. 
Um, I know how on average how many cuts they make in a singles match, um, how long is a point in a doubles match, and it just helps you program and kind of look at a holistic view um, of the sport. And then like with the athlete, I said, you know, with coaches now, they're starting to understand um, there's a lot more stress they're taking on than just the hour they are with us. Um, I had a strength, my strength coach at Central said, um, one thing he would always tell us, you get an hour with me, what are you going to do with the other 23 hours a day? And now with the technology some schools have, a lot of coaches are able to monitor that a little more. Like you got sleep bands, you got people filling out questionnaires, which was we kind of implemented in the football season. Um, so it's definitely come a long way and not just as strength coaches, but the whole human performance um, department. It used to kind of be like a silo approach. Um, so strength conditioning was their own department. Athletic training was their own department. Uh, sport coaches were their own. You didn't, there wasn't a lot of communication. Um, but now some schools are starting to um, introduce a high performance model. It's what they call it, where there's communication amongst all branches. So I would talk to, you know, the tennis coach, and that's something we've actually grown a lot on is coinciding their practice their practice intensity with the lift intensity um and then bringing the athletic trainers in and saying what can they can't do um it just it just adds a streamline of communication um it gets everyone on the same page so i'm not doing something that the tennis coach might not want me to do or we're as a staff we're not doing some of the football coaches might want us to do um it's just the more ideas and more um communication that you can add the more beneficial it's going to be for the teams you're working for. Um, so it's definitely, definitely come a long way in the last, even just last 10 years. This last year, you've alluded to it. It's, it's been a challenge, but how have you been able to keep things moving forward with your teams as they've been in and out of quarantine or different people are having to, to step away for an extended period of time? Um, like, and when with coach Disney's episode, he hit it on the head. Um, we've kind of been doing stuff like this before we've always made take home programs. We've all, and with athletes not having a lot of equipment, you might have a group of athletes that have full access to a weight room. You might not have, we might, you might have another group that have just dumbbells. I have a third group that doesn't have anything, just has body weight. So we've always kind of been doing this, but now the context is just a little different. Like you said, um, so just communicate, again, it goes back to communicating, finding out what your athletes have, what can you do for them to get as much, as many results as you can in this difficult time. And then when they come back, the biggest thing is how much return on investment are you going to get? Uh, so you want to have the minimum, you want to do as little as work as possible, but get the most bang for your buck. Um, I think a lot of coaches, um, went to, hey, I have to make up for lost time. And that's probably the worst thing you can do in a situation like this. Um, athletes that, because you might have an athlete that did three weeks of training with you when they're back and they're quarantined for two more weeks. Um, so by that time they're on week six of the program, you can't expect them to wake up, make up the last um, weeks four and five. Um, you have to ease them back into it. Um, and again, you have to look at the holistic view again. I know I've kind of hit on it multiple times, but you need to get them ready to play their sport and an athlete's best ability is availability. So if you're going to rush them back into it, get them hurt, then they're not going to be on the court or the field. Um, you just have to get them ready for the sport that they came to college to play. They didn't come like I 
obviously they didn't come to lift weights. They didn't come to run and all that stuff. They came to play tennis. They came to play football. It's our job to get them ready for that sport and for their competition, even if it means, you know, taking a step back and easing them back into it off of a quarantine. I understand you're a big country music guy, right? Absolutely. So you moved to Tennessee. You're basically 20 minutes from the birthplace of country, or the home of country music. And right. now every live music venue pretty much is shut down. That's got to be a bit of a disappointment for you. Yeah, it actually kind of was. Um, when I first moved down here, my one of my buddies from college came down to visit it, and it was like the week before everything got shut down in March. And I tell like going from bar to bar and just listening to all the music. I don't even know, you know, half the songs they play, but I've always been a huge country music fan. Um, but yeah, it's it definitely was a disappointment. Um, so now there's a couple bars here in town that uh, me and some of the staff go to um, that don't play the best music, kind of loud. Um, but I love I love live music, but country music's always been uh, something that's always been there. Uh, but hopefully um eventually I could you know go to Nashville a little more and enjoy it but we'll see I understand that in the sport performance room and you've alluded to it a little bit as well that you you take a little bit of you take a little bit of ribbon from from your co-workers so I want to open it up to you to give it back to them a little bit whatever floor's yours here you know to, to, to say whatever's on your mind uh I you know I thought about this for a while um I thought about taking the high road um, but like I said, it's, it, it's all in good fun. Uh, when you're the smallest guy in the strength conditioning department, like it's bound to get, get have a couple jokes cracked your way. Um, so Disney calls me the science guy. So I'm just going to go around and kind of, uh, give something that kind of sticks out to me about each one of my coworkers. And again, if you guys listen to this, you know, no offense taken. Um, Justin, Justin can squat 700 pounds, but probably hasn't read 700 words of strength conditioning knowledge over the past year. Uh, Disney, like you alluded to before, can't grow a good beard. Uh, John can't grow hair on his head. Uh, uh, Matt, our chinch as we call him, tells jokes, makes noises, and laughs at his own jokes and jokes and noises. Um, and Sam Bartlett, he's my roommate, so I can't be too mean to him. We gotta keep that home life happy. Um, I would say, man, I can make things extremely awkward at home. Uh, let's see. <laughs> he, he's 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 tall, athletic, but his personality needs work. I'll just put it that way. Um, super good guy, though. Super good guy. All of them are. And again, all in good fun. Um, I've learned a lot from them and those guys are why I enjoy my job so much. Uh, long, long hours, um, not always the happiest of times, but I enjoy working with every single one of those guys. So hopefully um, this doesn't make things awkward in the workplace. So, oh, and, and Coach Campbell's my boss. So I'm just going to say he's the best boss around because I plan on keeping my job, so. It struck just the right note of, of, you know, taking the high road, but also giving it back a little bit. Yeah. Sam, what is your favorite word? Inconceivable. Like the princess bride? Yep, absolutely. <laughs> what is your least favorite word? Juice. Who or what inspires you? Ooh. I'd have to say my nephews, 
uh, because with the little game that I have in the dating department, I probably will never have kids. Um, so as long as my as long as my sister uh, keeps giving me nieces and nephews, uh, they'll always be my inspiration. What's the last book you read for fun? Uh, just finished up a book called The Meaning of Life by Victor, or Man's Search for Meaning, sorry, by Victor Frankel. What is your worst habit? I tend to repeat myself a lot, not really in coaching, but if I'm telling a joke that I think is funny, I will pretend no one heard it and just repeat it again. Um, and I get called out on that a lot in the office, especially by Chinch. So shout out to him. What app on your phone gets the most use? Twitter. What is the most terrifying situation you've ever found yourself in? Ooh. Uh, when I was a freshman in high school, me and like four of my friends were walking on Main Street and I was getting ready to cross and not pay attention. And I kid you not, my friend grabbed me from my shirt as a car was probably going 40 on our main road and I almost got pegged. So that's, yeah. that's a yeah. funny one. Yeah. What is your idea of happiness? Um, I actually, I'm going to steal this from, his name's Nick DeMarco. He's a director of sport performance at Elon, a connection that he was an Iowa guy too. Um, he actually wrote an excerpt on his dad uh, a couple months ago this past year. And he, it was live life on your own terms and not the terms of others. Um, so I, I've always kind of like, after, I've, after kind of reading that and looking back, I've kind of lived that way too. I'm extremely sarcastic. So sometimes I say things um that don't get taken the right way but that's just who I am um so I'm gonna live my life in my own terms obviously within reason and try to not you know impress others all the time and to kind of live it how I seem fit and how I want to live what is your idea of misery man I think kind of getting caught getting caught up and making a living and kind of letting it get letting it get in the way of like making a life if that makes sense i i sometimes with like these long hours um you kind of forget that there's a life outside of it obviously i'm not I'm not telling people to go quit their jobs and just go live um but just remember that there is a life outside of your job sometimes um and there's nothing wrong with taking time yourself and going to live a little bit so i guess one i think just that misery for me is just letting that job for the rest of your life is getting your way of just kind of taking time, being present and living. What makes you self-conscious? Uh, I kind of have a big head and I was extremely self-conscious of that growing up. Um, I don't let it get to me as much now. That's why I wear hats every once in a while. Um, but yeah, I got a pretty big noggin. What is the most embarrassing song you love? Shallow by Lady Gaga. How would you prefer to die? Man, that's deep. The easy way would obviously be like Coach Disney said, dying in my sleep. Um, honestly, I love the show Survivor. So if I was like out like in the woods or something, just camping and getting like attacked by a bear or something, but it was like not like a quick attack, but like I put up a flight, you know, kind of like I ran, climbed some trees, and it took them a while to get me. Um, but yeah, I'd probably say getting attacked by an exotic animal would be kind of cool, I guess. If you were reincarnated, what would you like to come back as and why? Oh, man. I would say a hippo. We were talking in the office the other day about 
what's an animal that would probably kill you nine out of 10 times, but you would probably kill one out of 10. And a hippo was a very popular one because one, they swim, they swim it. They're, uh, they're extremely big, kind of lazy, but they got some chompers on them. And I think just being able to float in the water and just kind of relax would be kind of cool. And I obviously in this life, I'm not very big. So being able to be a big hippo would be kind of be a little change for me. So probably a hippo. What might prompt you to lie? Oh man. Might prompt me to lie. Bye bye. Any miracle ever get a wife. And she asked me any sort of question about how she looks or how she feels. And I might not be telling the complete truth, but that might be it right there. You know, the old, does this make me look fat type thing when she's eight months pregnant? That might be the way to go. My sister just gave birth to uh, my second nephew too. So I've kind of gone through that a couple of times. So. What makes you hopeful? Um, just knowing that every day um, you have the choice to make it a great day. And that's extremely cheesy. Um, I told you before uh, before we start recording that, my favorite song is Great Day to Be Alive by Travis Tritt. Um, and obviously we're in tough times right now, um, but what kind of makes me hopeful just knowing that tomorrow's a new day and it can change at any time. Um, at some point, um, things are going to start turning around for everyone. Um, just knowing that, you know, the sun, sun's going to come up tomorrow uh, and eventually everything's going to turn around and you have the choice to make it the way you want. Every person has the power of choice. Um, there's not a lot of things you can control in life, but a couple of things that you can't control, your perceptions and your choices. Uh, so that's something that uh, always kind of gives me hope that all, those are two things that I always can hang on to. What is our purpose in life? Oh, man. That's a loaded one. Um, I think it's just finding, finding something that makes you happy. Uh, and whatever you do, be good at it. Whether you're a strength coach, whether you're you know, a banker, a teacher, a janitor, a bus driver, just be good at what you do. Have pride in what you do um, and just make the most of everything. Um, I think ever it's on an individualistic basis of what everyone's purpose is, but as a holistic view, I just think find something you love and be good at it no matter what it is. Regardless of who it is, what is one question you would ask our next guest? What's your favorite shape and why? Favorite shape? I have not oh, yeah. had that one. What is your favorite shape? Uh, probably a circle. That was never what ending. I was going to go with, I think, too. Yeah, it's never ending. Uh, a couple weeks ago, Cody Schexnader asked, uh, actually cheated and asked, too, who do, you do, who do you do it for and why do you do what you do? Man. Who do I do it for and why do I do what I do? Yeah. Man, well, I've always wanted to make I always I've always wanted to make impacts on people. Um, and I think I obviously the easy answer is I do it for the athletes, which is true. Um, being able to get an athlete to accomplish a goal they might not think they could accomplish uh, is something that I've always loved about coaching. And something that keeps me going is reactions that I get when they hit something. Um, I'll tell a quick story about one of the tennis players here. You know, they came up to me before it started, said, I've never been the strongest. Um, sometimes um, that I let that get me down, yada, yada, yada. I won't go into in depth about that. But, you know, six weeks later, um, 
they're having the they had the biggest jump in their trap bar deadlift and seeing the smile on her face and her face turned red and like it's little things like that that keep me going um so i do it to make little impacts like that on athletes if i can you know there's 14 players on the tennis team there's about 90 on the football team if i can make an impact on one athlete and of those 14 and one athlete of those 90 then i did my job um that's just kind of in like building relationships and being seen more than just a coach like i'd like to be seen as like a confidant they can come talk to you about certain things uh, and i'm not just a coach telling them to you know squat deeper or run faster so that sounds pretty good to me uh we're thrilled to have you here uh you guys are doing a great job down in the sport performance room uh, and always interested to see what's going to be next from you guys. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on. And uh, yeah, it was a good time. I appreciate it. Thanks to Sam for coming on, giving us a few minutes out of his day to talk about all that is Austin Peay Sport Performance. As we look ahead to this week, already some changes afoot to this week's schedule. Uh, SAUE on Thursday, the doubleheader that was, now a single game for the women because there is no men's game. The Cougars having a time right now, unfortunately. Uh, they will have lost, I believe, four straight games, will not have played at home since the start of December. Uh, tough for them right now. But the women's team will go up in search of that 4-0 start that Casey alluded to. Yeah, yeah. Had a good game there last year, so uh, hopefully we can do that again. That would be awesome. We had six in double figures last year at uh, – SIUE. The old Vanilla Bean Center? The Vanilla Bean Center. The Vanilla Bean Center. Golly, we're gonna we're gonna get to see the uh the tip top of the vanilla bean center, it seems like. I've never actually been anywhere except on the floor there. Yeah, no fans at the vanilla bean center, so uh I think they're calling it something different this year. I think it's like mean, the first community, first community center or something, at yeah. the vanilla bean center. Yeah. I think they were like Vanilla Bean's not it's yeah. We'll we'll go with something else. Good, good branding on their part, bro. Maybe we can get Brian to call it the Vanilla Bean Center on the radio. I guarantee you, you will. I, if, if you just say Vanilla Bean Center enough, he will have a Freudian <laughs> slip and say it on the radio. I guarantee you. I'll start working on that tonight, though. <laughs> All right. Uh, Saturday's still on. Both the men's and women's teams scheduled to head up to Eastern Illinois. Um, the Lance Cracker Arena. The Lance Arena, it is so... Uh, we've always so it doesn't matter what team we take up there it doesn't matter how good we are supposed to be how bad EIU is supposed to be or vice versa it is always a close game whenever we get to Charleston it's also almost always one of those nice midwestern blizzards where you can't see more than three feet in front of you uh which is awesome because I'm driving up there this weekend so it's gonna be great great it's gonna be the most fun some would say the most fun. Well, yeah, yeah. Gonna get to see a new uh, 
new area of the Lance Lance Arena too. I've been upstairs. I've taken photos upstairs there before. It's actually probably better. I think so, yeah, because it's right over the court. You get some pretty unique angles. Yeah, that's nice. Uh, the The Panthers uh, star Josiah Wallace missed the last game, which if he could just miss this one, that'd be... Boy, would I feel a lot better. You wouldn't hate it? You wouldn't hate if Josiah couldn't play? Hey, you know what? Uh, what's it, What do they call it in the NBA? Load management? Yeah. Hey, take the night off for take, some load management, take one. Josiah. <laughs> Boy, you were just talking and then just... Had to sneeze. You sure did. Yeah, Josiah, don't play. <laughs> uh, the volleyball slate has been rearranged again once more with feeling. Uh, <laughs> it's good. Like it's it is good. I think we got it. I think we finally got it's, it. Well, I I like the explanation we were sort of given of okay, so we've seen what's happening with basketball. We kind of are understanding. Uh, we're getting a better understanding of what the travel does and how, you know, maybe it's better to do as many games as we can as quickly as we can in one place, regardless of whose arena it is. And so the volleyball schedule for the spring uh, slated to begin Sundays and Mondays starting February 7th and ending March 29th. Um, it's just one team or two teams, one facility – Back-to-back days, no home-and-homes, just February 7th, Tennessee Tech here. February 8th, Tennessee Tech here. Uh, February 21st, 22nd, Moorhead here. March 7th and 8th, Murray here. March 21st and 22nd, SAUE here. There's not a lot of ambiguity to the schedule, but it does make it a lot simpler. I hate that Murray has to come here twice, don't you? I just you the feel worst. so bad for him. Golly. I, shucks. Golly, shucks. shucks. Darn rats. Shucks and gosh darn it. Just the worst for him. Just you know, I, I feel could, so bad for him. I've never felt worse for anybody. Uh, only I only feel worse for the fact that we beat him twice on the Dunn Center floor. Absolutely. Uh, since we're reaching back into the wayback machine to talk about some of the stuff that we've missed over the last few weeks, um, the student athletes. My goodness, putting the student in the student athlete. Put the student in the student athlete. Three point three three department grade point average seventh. Consecutive semester at 3.0 or better. Record three, three, three. It's a lot of threes. A lot of threes. Like a Maggie Knowles level of threes. Like a Maggie Knowles stat line. Yeah, like a Maggie Knowles stat line. Just boom, boom, boom. Some of the highlights. 53 governor student athletes posted 4.0 GPAs. 53. Men's golf, women's golf, men's tennis, and women's tennis saw 100% of their student athletes receive academic recognition for the fall. Men's tennis at a 3.897 and women's tennis at 3.846 posted the highest men's and women's GPAs. And get this one. Women's soccer, volleyball, men's golf, women's golf, excuse me, men's tennis, and women's tennis, 3.0 team GPA for 15 consecutive semesters. That is some high-quality studenting from our student-athletes. Academic weapons, one might say. Triple threats. Oh, they're triple threats. They are true triple threats. You want to know who else? Some triple threats? I'd love to know. We got we to gotta give a shout-out. Got to give a mazel tov to Sean Whittinghill and Mackenzie Whittinghill. Mackenzie Whittinghill. They, a couple days before the old, the old New Year, got, they tied the knot. Sean, as longtime listeners 
No. Friend of the podcast. Great friend of the podcast. Mackenzie, actually the very first guest of the podcast. The OG the, guest. Of the the guest. OG guest. We, we wish them all the happiness and love that we hope their marriage will feature for the next 60 to 80 years or until Mackenzie decides she's tired of him. Which, you know. Probably less than 60 to 80 years. Yeah, that's where, yeah. And now, at the end, we go and talk about the worst. That, of course, is the rock-bottom but terrible NFC East. I think it is the height of hubris for anyone on the Giants to complain about what the Eagles did in Sunday night's game from anything other than a, boy, that's bad football standpoint. Like, I didn't love it because it was a nationally televised game in which one team quit trying halfway through. But that's me. I'm the consumer. If the Giants wanted to get in the postseason because the Eagles beat the Redskins, what they could have tried was winning more games. What, that, what were they, 5-11? and 6-10. and 6-10, and 10. yeah. You, if they were, you if, don't deserve to get okay, it. You, you have no complaints. If you're 10-6 and six and Washington is also 10-6 and six and your only way to get into the playoffs is a Washington loss, fine, complain. You won 10 games. You won 6. Shut down or sit down and shut up. You don't. You don't know who should be complaining. Miami Dolphins, who think they're but for the grace of however we organized the NFC and AFC seventy years ago. They are the ten-win team, and this Saturday they get to watch the Washington Football Team host the Tampa Bay Bucks. Well, the, Dolphins, the Dolphins had their own. All they had to do was beat Buffalo. Instead, they got sixty pieced. All they had to do was beat the number two seed in the AFC. Okay, they got sixty pieced and it got the Colts in, and that's what matters. I'm just saying, of of Rose to Hoe, one had a significantly tougher one than the other did. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, even when you just compare the two divisions, the Colts are ten and five, and they're going to Buffalo, and then Washington's hosting a game. Just yeah, frustrating. I don't. I don't love any. I I, I don't love any th- any of the stuff that's like all right, blow it up and start over. Cl- playoffs clearly aren't working. Like that's probably not true. But also so one through sixteen or one through fourteen. That's. I don't know. No, I like the idea of keeping it NFC, NFC, AFC, AFC. I think there's something to that. But also, maybe put a wins wins limit or a wins uh, wins minimum. Just let the two. If you're only going to have the one by this time, let the two seed pick who they want to play. And that way, you'd have the Saints playing the. <laughs> or excuse me, no, not the red. The Washington football the Washington teams. Washington, our words. Yeah, the Washington football teams. Hmm. Twenty dollars in the swear jar, man. I'd been really good about that. I listened too. to the um, the football teams. Well, you almost <laughs> did it. I listened to the football teams uh, radio announcer did an interview last week, and he said they have a they have a they have an R word swear jar in the radio booth, and it's twenty dollar fine if anybody says it on air. Ooh. None of them said it this year. Twenty dollars is a pretty and big forget, deterrent. It was like a it was like a name of a guy. It was um it was a former ESPN guy that got the. Oh, there you go. It's a former. NFL or ESPN NFL guy that got the football team's um, radio job a couple years ago. So like, I knew the name, but I can't Cooley. remember it now. Well, yeah. Wasn't it their former tight end, Chris Cooley? No, it, he oh. might be an analyst, but oh. I'm talking about the play-by-play guy. Oh, okay. Like, he was like an ESPN anchor doing, I forget who it was. Um, this is a mesmerizing story. Yeah, but it was uh, it was just kind of cool that they had, none of them said it all year. And then Collinsworth slipped in the final two minutes of the broadcast last night, mm. or two nights ago. 
Well, you know, Collinsworth was pretty discombobulated listening to it. When he, when he went, don't you just love football watching that? Love like, no, Chris, I don't right now, actually. <laughs> not this game, Chris. I, I'm not having the best time at the have moment. Have you seen Nate Sudfeld play quarterback? Because I sure have. If you told me Nate Sudfeld was naturally left-handed trying to throw right-handed, I'd believe you. I would 100% believe you. And that's that, to me, more than anything, is a testament to how good you have to be to be a professional athlete. Because that guy is the greatest quarterback that a lot of the people in his life have ever seen throw a football in person and he looked like me and you on Sunday night yeah so who's winning the Super Bowl um I'm gonna go dark horse I'm gonna go to the Bills I do like the Bills um I need the, uh, the Bills run game worries me a little bit don't trust Moss and Singletary I think you have to be able to run the ball a little bit in the playoffs um I like the Saints I like if the Saints. Drew Brees is healthy. I really like the Saints. Uh, the Packers' lack of skill position players, other than Devontae Adams, will worry me against good teams. The Packers thing, I think they've got like very good complementary weapons that they seem to forget about sometimes. Like maybe that's it. Vontez Scantling, I think, is pretty good, and then he'll go whole games where he gets like two targets. He'll go weeks without getting. Yeah. You know, I don't know. The Chiefs thing, I think... I think they could just flip a switch and it could be lights out again. I, I think he, they could do that. I think a, they're out there just messing around half the time. I think there's a 100% chance that they just go, oh, yeah, it's postseason, here we go, and just obliterate everyone. And that everyone. could happen like in the third quarter of their first game because like, they could be down 22 points like they were last year, and then Pat yeah. Mahomes says, oh, oh, we got to get to the Super Bowl again? Not, here we go. But I also think that that sort of... That that has a shelf life. That has it's so difficult to do that on the highest level so many times that eventually it, you reach back for it and it's not there anymore. You have a sleeper like last year's Titans team. Uh, I mean, kind of this year's Titans team. Like they're, I think home, that they're home dogs. I think you could see the Titans or the Colts make a little bit of a run because they can both run the ball and play defense, and that travels in the playoffs. Philip Rivers worries me, though. He's Andy had, having to go on the road is not going to. I don't like going to Buffalo. However, if Jonathan Taylor runs for 240 again, we're in business. I just don't think – I don't think any on the road's going to do it. I don't know that the Titans' defense can do it. Josh Allen's good. Josh Allen's real good. Josh, <laughs> Josh, Allen, Josh Allen might be the best player in the league I, right at this moment. I, I, I and a lot of people like me had to eat a whole bunch of crow about Josh Allen this year. What, I had to eat a whole bunch of crow about Ryan Tannehill, too. What did he do, 60-piece of Dolphins or close to it? I think it was like 58, 59 or yeah, something. But I just mean, his whole his whole year is MVP caliber. He has if, more touchdowns by himself than the Bills punter has punched this season, I saw. That's a pretty good number. No, yeah, it's impressive. That's Especially, from, golly, he runs the ball in more than you would think. Like he's probably got. Well, he's their most consistent You're weapon right. in the ground game. Like don't Moss trust and Singletary. Don't trust them. They're they're good to break out every once in a while, but like they both have the fumbles. They both have the fumbles. They that that's my one worry about Buffalo is that they put the ball on the ground a lot. If they can get the ball, Stephen Diggs. So I'm, I'm pretty pretty thrilled. What about, about those the dude? Oh, golly. What was the guy's name who had himself a second quarter? Singletary? No, 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 not Singletary. Singletary. Um, gosh, it was the guy who caught two touchdown passes and ran back a punt. Oh. Yeah. Good for him. Had him a quarter on him. Sunday. Sorry to the Dolphins and our friend Alex Solid. I am absolutely not sorry to Alex Solid. He can kick rocks. <laughs> hey, the Dolphins picks like second and 18th, so like 
Third. Third and 18th. Excuse me. You can't be that upset. I. Why can't I be that upset? Oh, if you're him, yeah, no, it's probably fine. They'd have got the third anyway, though. Like, yeah, but they got 18 that. now instead of, uh, I don't know, 22. Never mind. Never mind. That that doesn't matter. No, not really. All right, you should have made the playoffs. You guys stink. Yeah. After you, after With you your did, 95-year-old offensive coordinator. After you did that to the Raiders, you deserve whatever's coming to you. Speaking of things that are coming to us, hopefully it's student-athletes coming back to campus and getting out in the community and doing good things. Ah, love uh, when they do good things. That is a powerful segue, sir. Haley Meyer will have your community service opportunities whenever you are back on campus, if you are among our student-athletes, or just anybody. I mean, doing good things for the community is not limited to just people who wear Austin P across their chest when they chase a ball around. You know what else is a good thing to do? Mm, practice good hygiene, especially in these uncertain times. Yes, but you should also follow us on Twitter and Instagram, at Let's Go P, or follow along on our official Facebook page called Austin P. Governors. You can check out all of the digital media content our friends Eric and Robin are putting out on all of those channels. Uh, tell Robin how great her videos are. Tell Eric he's the worst. Let's Go P.com for dates, news, and stories. Casey Cody Bush, myself, doing stuff over there all the dadgum time. Hey, uh, looks like we're going to have some fans here in the not-too-distant future at the Dunn Center for some uh, basketball. You know, keep being safe, being responsible, get some vaccines, and uh, our friends Katie and Johnny, they're going to have tickets to sell you. Johnny Quest, he's got the tickets. Johnny Quest so, uh, has got the tickets. You should get in contact with him and the ticket guru, Katie Locke, for Find all the information you can use to get in the game. You done? You done? Can I go forward now? You, you, you tripped me up there with you. I threw you off. There. Yeah, you did. did. You did. Your cadence. Your cadence yeah. is weird. Yeah, you, that's right. You drew me <laughs> off sides. That'll be a five-yarder. <laughs> Find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, or directly on the website at letsgopeat.com slash podcast. Give us a rating view on the podcast, five stars, five stars. And if you want to suggest a guest, let us know of a local or on-campus event we should shout out. Find out in real time how dysfunctional we are. Tweet us. I'm at CWilson225. He's at CMSportCrig19. Love yourself. Love each other. Talk to you next week. Goodbye. I'm counting sheep, but...